The Worldcraft Club Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. A time devoted to world building and its impact on narrative, where we discuss any and all topics involving the crafting of fictional settings to inspire your creativity. My name is James. And my name is Seth. And we are your hosts for this delightful half hour. All right, dear listeners, welcome to another episode of the Worldcraft Club. Now, for those of you who don't know, we've been doing this for a year, right? Like in August of 2019, Seth and I started texting each other at the end of a uh, at the end of a campaign that we've been doing a really long campaign we've been working on that Marcus, who's actually here with us today, DM'd. And we were trying to figure out what to do, what we, what we were going to do kind of next. And so we were talking about campaigns and Seth just sent me a text that says, or we could start a podcast. And I said, okay. And from that point, we kind of created this. And um, one of the things that we really believe in and we really like to do is to stop every now and then and reflect on what's been happening and what we've been learning. It's a great way to share with you guys what our kind of thought process is. It's a good way to talk about like how we've changed. It's a good way to get a a retrospective on prior episodes. So if you're just joining us today, this will be kind of a good primer for everything that's happened over the last year. It's a good kind of reset button that enables you to just dive in right here and, uh, and see what maybe you've missed. So, um, without much further ado, I will, I will announce our cast here today and it is a full house. First we have Seth, how you doing, Seth? Doing very well. I'm excited for this episode. I think it's always fun to look back over the last year and see where we've come. Um, yeah, I'm excited to hear everybody's thoughts, to see, hear how everything or how people's thoughts about world building have evolved. Yeah, it's really good. And for those who can't see, Seth is currently uh, enmeshed in a survival bunker deep in the Earth core where it's still warm. He has <laughs> tubes behind him, nondescript tubes in a cardboard box. We don't know what they're there for. And so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring on the next one in here. I'd already mentioned him. Marcus, how you doing, Marcus? You look like an Apache pilot. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well, James. Uh, no, it's excited. It's really interesting because I think this is the first time we got all four of us that are actually in, you know, the episode. Usually one guy's just, you know, kind of silent in the background, kind of overseeing Lurking. everything. But this is the full time. Yeah, we're, we're all on the mics. I'm very interested in seeing how this all turns out. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a good way of saying this is going to be a cluster. Let's see how this goes. All right. <laughs> speculative cluster making so um with with that we have our 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 final our final host here the uh resplendent john who uh was experimenting with his lights earlier and looked like the beacon from rohan when fully lit so hey john how you doing actually it was the gondorian beacon that summoned the rohir yeah Yeah, it's true yeah Yeah, doing well the competition's looking pretty tight out there my corner's (laughs) looking all right oh sorry wrong script wrong script yeah yeah we're doing great yeah we're we're all friends here uh yeah we're doing fine yeah no uh i'm excited for this episode it's gonna be great uh it's been crazy that it's been a year since we started this Mm, yeah um you know because i didn't come on right away you came on pretty 
we got you guys really early yeah yeah we both came on early but for you two like i mean i remember when i was hearing rumors of this thing happening "Hmm, i'm i'm going to be bored for a little bit i want in on that so uh here we are (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so it it was neat actually the way that we kind of so so it was it was seth and i's brainchild but we soon realized that we were going to need like tons of help essentially so like seth and i started reaching out to different people who were passionate about world building and had incredible skill sets essentially people we knew that would contribute to what we were what we were doing right so marcus and john were like pretty early on we were kind of like yeah these are these are kind of our guys and we're reaching out to you guys with different questions and i think with john it first started with your marketing expertise and we were kind of like hey you know what what do you what do you think about this and what do you think about this and before long we were kind of like you were on episodes more and like here you are and it was a similar kind of kind of event for like marcus where we had this role in mind but it it expanded and changed and grew and now we we're we're operating on like four cylinders as a podcast which is rad so we have a lot of basically a lot of changing seats which is a which is a neat way to do things because every once in a while when we run an episode like pulp or something i can be like marcus has got lots of thoughts on pulp let's get marcus in on this you and know boy oh, yeah. he did i can't wait to hear that episode <laughs> come out it's it's i'm super excited yeah that yeah a that's one. a good one it's a fun oh. one so gentlemen on to business i have three questions question the first uh this is the first episode we ever started uh way back when was what is world building and i thought that it would be really fun if we kicked off this episode with just our answer um what is world building whoever wants to jump in first just snatch at that mic so i think that my understanding of world building has definitely undergone an evolution and I think that's primarily because I've actually listened to other people talk about it. Mm. With creative endeavors, often everything lives in your head and you sort of hear the same things over and over and over again because you're limited in the amount of information that you take in. Mm. So for me, world building when I started this project was really sort of a practical question of nuts and bolts. It was how do I decide uh, what color the water is? How do I um, determine whether there's magic? How do I determine whether there's um, technology? How do I determine how big the planet is? What the shape of the map looks like? And All of that is still world building. But as uh, we have talked, James, and then as I've listened to Marcus and Jonathan give me input and um, listen to their episodes, as we've done interviews with other creators, it's really this idea of boundaries, which we did start with fairly early on, because James, me and you, I mean, we effectively did three or four episodes before we started releasing anything. We, yeah. we started this process, you know, uh, with a lot of content mm. and, and we had a lot of discussions sort of leading up to it. So in, in many ways, 
what is world building has gone for me at least from a very practical it is the nuts and bolts of actually putting a world together to a more expanded it is also the philosophy that you bring to your world it is the boundaries you set in place that then dictate everything james you had the idea of fairy cake really early on and that was just such a beautiful analogy that we've taken it and we've expanded it and it's become incredibly helpful even in my other pursuits yeah so it's been really cool seeing the definition of of world building in my head expand and grow Mm -hmm. and in some ways it's gotten bigger in some ways it's gotten more focused right instead of just world building being everything in the kitchen sink it has become a set of questions that i can ask that really clarify the world that i'm stepping into or the world that i'm inviting people into Hmm. yeah much like uh you said world building was a very kind of a very practical way and then kind of expanded i kind of my experience was on the opposite spectrum and coming to yeah. it's 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 kind of the gut check of your of what you're trying to create mm-hmm. that's uh, good that's good basically it's everything world building is what nails everything down similar to what you said seth uh and and it really, it's kind of like, I was just thinking like when you, like when a artist is like drawing something from life and you know, they kind of like, they're at their easel and then they look at their subject and they kind of like put their, their pen or brush out, you know, with their thumb and kind of like measure the relationship between certain elements. That's almost what world building does to make sure where everything in your world is in a proportion to each other and make mm-hmm. sense. Uh, and a lot of times when I would quote world build, it was, com- it was kind of flying off of without that stuff was not really in proportion. And it wasn't until I would like hear these episodes or even just kind of uh, expose it to other people. If I'm like, um, if I'm run- GMing a game, uh, and the other players would just kind of pick out little details that really didn't make practical sense. I think the the one that comes to mind is that uh, mentioned in my other episode, I was I was running a game of my Across the Ether World, uh, which is kind of just like more or less modern, more modernized Dungeons and Dragons kind of world but they still had the coins for currency, like the gold and silver coins. And I liked it. I put that in because I was focused on like kind of the tangibleness, the experience of like holding that coin, you know, or collecting a payment of just a suitcase of these coins. Uh, And I thought that experience was really cool. But then when they went to meet the boss and the boss is in this club and I describe the club and there's dancers up on stage and people are throwing tips to the dancers. <laughs> and so, so then one player, she's like, wait, wait a minute. They're pelting them with So coins. do, 
Yeah, so do the dancers have to like dodge these coins? <laughs> do they get bruised down then? And I'm just it's, like, stop. It's very sexy when they dodge them. Like, <laughs> they are very acrobatic. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't, I didn't put like bills. I didn't put paper currency or oh. credits or whatever. And I'm just like, you know what? That's right. It would have been a lot easier for those dancers to collect all the if all those coins if there were paper instead of where they where are they going to hold them all after their performance is done and i'm just like you know that Again, wouldn't make an, sense it's an emphasis <laughs> on uh, it's an emphasis on flexibility at that point uh, so uh that's, no that's yeah. wild yeah so it's like even the little things and if i would have really spent more time in world building and kind of you know okay this is coins in more of a modern deal when already reflected mm-hmm. in our world, we're already like discarding pennies and quarters and everything. Yeah, and yeah. even to the point, like we're like discarding bills, you know, yeah. or we're not really using them anymore. I, and I didn't like reflect that. And then therefore I, you know, something was not in proportion to the rest of the world. And, and the point that we really need to take away from this is when you're building any sort of monetary system in your world, Think about performative dancers, all right? <laughs> Open your mind a little bit and start thinking about how the dancers make their money. Like, um, <laughs> oh man, it, it reminds me of those like arcade machines that are like coin guzzlers and you like put a quarter in, you're trying to like, you know, get it through the slot or something. But yeah. like, you know, instead it's just like trying to hit the performative dancers and they're just dodging it, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> You, well, you hit one, you get five back, right? It's, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, so yeah, no, I I really like that. And but you know what that speaks to me though is uh, things that I've learned about world building and what is world building. Like world building is stylized, right? World building is going to be characteristic to certain ideas and a certain tone that you want to convey. It's not just a oh well you know here is the list of things right um world building is going to reflect a sort of artistic expression uh in a a different form uh i I think we coined the term um uh, creating believable spaces and i think that with the suspension of disbelief there's a lot of believable uh spaces that you can make yeah and that's constrained yeah but i think that with that stylized approach yeah you do have coins that are you know being used at clubs and stuff like that's cool right (laughs) Mm -hmm. then there's kind of a style there that's unique and interesting and -hmm. i think that it's cool to encourage other people that are building their stories and building their narrative and uh, while trying to line up everything and make it cohesive, which I think yeah. is a really great thing, I think also being able to say every once in a while, you know what? Screw it. They're using coins at clubs because that's cool, right? Uh, yeah. I think that there's an element of that that's really cool about world building, where it's just like, make it your own, make it stylized. So that's, sure. a, that's a really cool um, approach because what we're creating is fiction. Right. At the end of the day, we're not creating reality. And 
that's one of the ways. So as part of all of this, we've also gotten involved in um, a number of world building groups and we've been talking to world builders and we've been talking to people who are creatives who are writing or who are artists. And I really like, I, I like what you said there, uh, Jonathan, because, because sometimes as world builders, we get so enmeshed in our world and we get so enmeshed in the process of building out everything, all of the pieces that we forget that we're not writing reality. This is not just a transcription of how physics works, right? Um, and there's some really cool stuff. I know you guys did an episode on rivers, and it's really cool to take some, some ex mechanics that exist in the real world and say, okay, I'm going to pull these into my world and make it more believable, right? make a more believable space. But at the end of the day, the goal of what we're doing is not replicating reality, it's building a new world. And so I, I, I completely echo what you said there. This, there needs to be a freedom for people to, to say, well, I am gonna do this. I'm gonna make it work. I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna figure out how to make it believable, right? But at the end of the day, this is the world that I'm creating. Um, and I, I like that. I think that there's, there's definitely a lot of value in that. And I, I think one of the things early on, cause I, I think I had this conception of world building initially where I was very much in like the, well, actually crowd where it's like, <laughs> I'd look at things and be like, well, that's not coherent or that doesn't work. Right. Or if they had this, they would have this and they don't have that. And so it's clear they didn't think about this at all. And it's like, you know, I, I loved doing that because that, that is very much like a nerd pastime. And, and it's like, it, it is a, much. it's a heritage and I'll still do it. The thing is like that, you know, it's like my dad is terrible. When he watches movies, he can usually predict the end. And so he'll just be like, that guy's going to die. <laughs> and, and like, you're just watching. The best you're person like, to watch a movie with ever. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, it is just <laughs> terrible. And like, yeah. I, I have a little bit of that, that kind of like genetic inheritance from him where I can just watch things. I'm like, oh, they're going to do this, aren't they? And then they do it. And I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> and it's, but it's so dumb. And like, I think I've just been enjoyed enjoying being swept away with things a little bit more. And I think like I've become a bit more of a romantic with world building than I think I started. Um, because I, I think when you think about world building, I, you think a lot about the nuts and bolts and you mm -hmm. think about how you're going to piece this whole thing together, how you're going to make it work. And what you realize is most folks just don't care. And, um, and that's okay. Some folks, do. some folks do, but the, the creation of plausibility, like the thing, the, the, the language we found for that was boundaries right? Like right. we started to realize that something is plausible when people understand what to expect. And when it defies their expectation, they go, why is this different? And which is how you get a big bad who has learned time control magic when that was supposed to be impossible, right? right. Like once it's been demonstrated, that becomes an, oh crap, this guy's the real business moment. But if you don't mm -hmm. establish that that boundary exists and it's like they can control time, it's just one more thing in like a crazy world that you've created. The worlds that seem to endure the longest and that people love the most are not the most cohesive worlds. 
they're the worlds that instill a sense of wonder or allow other people to enter them, right? And so I think there's something valuable there. And I think we're still sort of plumbing the depths of that concept. But, but this idea of, of bringing wonder to other people and allowing them to invest in the, the world that you're creating is something that's really powerful. One of the, and this might need to be edited out, but one of the things that we joked about like off air is how do you world build? Don't. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, no, being able, but you mentioned earlier, like putting boundaries on things is really important when you're world building. And I think putting boundaries on yourself with how much you're doing of yeah. your world building oh is really important because if you spend all of your time building all of the details of anywhere, like, listen, you're not a, a deity that is beyond this world, right? You what? are a guy God? who's, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great um, idea for an episode at some point. So. Yep. You are, <laughs> it's, you are a dude who's probably working a full-time or part-time job. You're probably fairly busy. And you don't have time to make the entire world and all of its detail and all of the people that live in that world. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to put boundaries up to what you're building and leaving some of those details open so that while you're writing your story, you can be like, oh, hey, this would be kind of cool. And being able to put that in without it being disruptive. Uh, I think yeah. there's a lot to it to say, what is world building mm -hmm. it's not right i yeah, mean it's yeah. there's i mean yes you do want to world build please listen to our podcast but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like being able to put up those boundaries is really important to world building well i really like that you personalized it though you said like you're not just putting boundaries on on your story you're kind of putting them on yourself because mm -hmm. um there's a sense in which like we're all tempted toward excess with world building aren't we like we want to make more but the thing I really love about John's definition there, where you're effectively saying, look, you're binding yourself as well. You're setting boundaries for you is because world building to excess is a, and I heard this the other day, I had a great interview with um, uh, Matthew Selznick and, and this has been on my head since then. He says like world building is great procrastination, right? Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. You don't put pen to paper. You don't write the story. Instead, you write about the linguistic foibles of a particular town that the narrative's not going to, right? Like you sit there and you write, oh, they have this dialect here and they talk this, this, and this. And that's interesting because of this, this, and this. And the characters never go there. Now, like I like world building for world building's sake, just to be clear. Like that's part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I like just putting stuff together. Um, but if it never reaches somebody's ears, it's not a story and the world is just for you. And I'm going to tell you this, like everyone is bored of your world if all you're doing is telling them about it, right? Like it has to have a story tied to it. And like, there, or at least I should put it this way. Everyone's bored if you do it forever, right? right. Like, I mean, there's an extent to which people are fascinated by ideas and will want to discuss it. And other world builders may be interested. I think we're in that category of people that are just kind of happy to talk about ideas. But the story is what counts, right? I can't tell you how many 
authors I've talked to who have 60,000 words about their world and 10,000 words in their story and they're stuck, Mm. right? And they say, I've got writer's block. I can't figure it out. Or they're never happy with, with their story and instead they're just adding on to this world, right? Yeah. And so you'll get people with binders of notes about the world and no actual story to tell in it. Yeah. And, and part of that is because, and James, I think you were the one who highlighted this for us in some early episodes. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because at a certain point, when th- things become too close to reality, they just get boring. Yeah. The reason we explore other worlds is because often we find the mundane life around us to be rather, rather tepid, right? We're not excited by, by our immediate surroundings. So we're, we're, venturing out in these mental exercises to explore other worlds well the more realistic you make your world the closer you you know the more danger you run into but i you know of of it just becoming kind of boring and run of the mill but i really i really like that no that that's a really good point i i I think a lot of people just struggle putting pen to paper when it comes to Mm -hmm. actually uh writing the vulnerable part of their story which is the part other people are going to see and they like to keep their worlds in their own little snow globe and it's theirs and and the notion that like it gets too close to reality i had this fantasy when i was a kid i always wanted to like make a game of like going to school and i'd be like it'd be rad you know you'd get points for like waking up on time and like making your breakfast and i like sat there and i thought about this for like ages and i was like it'd be so cool you could like build someone's life and then i realized the sims already did it yeah <laughs> and um and also like I, that's exactly well that's the reason i stopped playing the sims it's like <laughs> i was playing it and i was like this is gonna be rad i'm gonna have like you know the gorgeous wife and i'm gonna have this big house and i'm gonna work really hard and i'm gonna make all this money and i was like oh and then it I, all came true i should probably just like do this for real <laughs> instead of <winning. laughs> And like, as much as I like, and, and it was, The Sims is really good. Just to be clear, like I totally mm. get that. Oh, yeah. no, I'm not throwing shade at it, but like from that oh, point forward. you can forward, shade just, it all you want. <laughs> I can't, I, I, I don't understand it. Well, everybody I just don't knows, get it. The best part about The Sims was making a diving board to get in the pool and then removing the ladder. So oh, like yeah. they'd all just jump in the pool and they'd just be like, I guess we're stuck. And they just drown. Like it was like. <laughs> and they come back at go- as ghosts and leave yes. puddles everywhere. Yeah, that's how I, so my wife who is currently studying architectural engineering with green design loves doing that just building these like green homes and stuff like that and cool. just that filling is, them right yeah, yeah, they don't, yeah. But i get it yeah there's a bunch of points very interesting points that you guys have mentioned one with um you know making boundaries and how the world building ties to narrative and you know talking about um you know world building just for world building's sake and then but then nobody's interested if you just basically lore dump yeah and i think narrative could be seen as the presentation of your world building because in a previous episode uh 
John, I think you mentioned very well that you can go through and I think you, you mentioned a, what was it, an episode of Community where they were talking about a bridge or they just wanted to know if the bridge was flammable. And the guy just like, well, it's this goblin bridge that was built in blah, blah, blah. And it's made out of these materials. So yeah, it should be flammable, you know? And he just kind of like mini lore dumps on people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, and instead of like telling them, oh, it's this ancient goblin bridge made in this time, uh, you know, as as a sign of, you know, treaty between these two goblin tribes and blah, 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 versus your your other example that you put in that episode was, or the players just burn the bridge and then later on get chased by these hordes of goblins and they escape to the town. Mm. And they're like, whoa, you guys seem worse for wear. What happens? Like, oh, just all these goblins came out of nowhere. Oh, we don't know why. It's like all we did, like after we burned this bridge down, it's like, oh, you mean that bridge the goblins made for the treaty? Wait, wait what? <laughs> and then it, that was kind of more of the narrative, the, present, the presentation of that world building element. And there, and then back to kind of boundaries. I think there's almost two different ways of dealing with boundaries because I think world building is boundaries. It's what kind of like makes everything in a relationship to each other, what melts everything down. And some people start with boundaries, which is fine because it's almost like punk music when you only use a certain number of chords. But with that limitation, you can get really creative with it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I might argue Green Day is more popular than Mozart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and, or you music can. music is better. Yeah. Um, so, so, Ooh. or you can come through. <laughs> Them's fighting words, I know. <laughs> or you can go through and like, start with like no boundaries and just be like um you know oh i just want this 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 and you kind of like mash everything together but as you go on much like and i think i don't know if the the previous episode if the episode where i talk about across the ether is going to be before this i'm pretty sure so there might be comments of like you can't just make a world with just everything is yes or whatever and I thought about it, it's like, yes, there is boundaries and limitations to it. I don't mean mm. just like everything goes. My approach to it was very much like, have you guys seen the movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just basically, he is, well, in the movie, he feels forced to say yes to everything. And spoilers, by the end of the movie, he realizes he didn't have to. The purpose of saying yes to everything was just to open up to saying yes to things because he didn't say yes to anything at the beginning and then he learns to wait he can say no if it's if it's practical and i think that's the other direction of world building you can just say yes 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 this let's just throw this all in but then after a while after you've opened yourself up to kind of new combinations of ideas then mm. you start making those boundaries then you're like okay does this work do we have to edit this or so does on and so fit? forth yeah and maybe from the other end if you're just working on boundaries and you get stuck well maybe just start saying yes to stuff and maybe you come up with a an answer that you restricting yourself away from mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent true. I I want to I want to start pivoting us to another question, but this one may actually feel pretty much like an extension of what we've already been talking about. So, like, what is the thing that we have done so far? Like in terms of episodes, it could be research for episodes, something you've stumbled onto as you've done this, and it's kind of the the your work on the Worldcraft Club has kind of changed your perspective on it. So what's the most useful thing you've learned in researching for or or just listening to to our podcast? What's what's the most valuable thing that you think you've you've uncovered? I think the most valuable thing I've uncovered on a practical level is the understanding that people are coming into my world for a specific reason. Mm. And I think that worlds can be built for different reasons. And I think that people engage with worlds for different reasons. But as a writer, the thing that I've had to realize or that's been the most helpful for me to realize is that I am not building my world for myself. I am building my world for my audience. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with building a world for yourself. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with building the world you want to build. And I am building the world that I want to build. But recognizing that the choices I make have a direct impact on the way my readers view the world and how invested they are in the world has, has made me relax to some extent. Yeah. And, and recognize that, you know, I can just build something fun. I don't have to worry overly about how, how, uh, how tight it is. Because my, my readers are going to come up with all sorts of reasons for me. So I have the benefit. I, I have an advantage over, over your traditional writer because I don't write something in isolation and then release it into the wild. Instead, there's this, um, because I write through Patreon, there's this ongoing process of, of my readers reading what I just wrote and saying, oh, hey, does that have to do with this? And I can be in the background going, yeah yeah it totally has to do with <laughs> yeah. that right DMing yeah. 101 so, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so We're catching yeah. on to my master plan <laughs> everyone's like don't tell them our secret set <laughs> <laughs> so that's been and i've always and i've always had a sense of that from gming right mm. but but that's really been hammered home as i have as I've put it into practice and I've started expanding the world because I'm, you know, on book five and like the world's getting big, it's getting too big for me to handle. But I'm, I'm realizing I don't have to, to handle it. I don't have to keep it as long as before the final book goes out, I do my, my continuity edits, right. Which my patrons are more than happy to help with point out every little single thing that's you know wrong (laughs) about what i'm writing uh but it's it's so fun i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is i've i've learned the enjoyment of unleashing other people 
on my world and allowing them the freedom to make choices and decisions to to choose the path forward and that's just been a really freeing experience hmm. i don't have to go out with a perfect product i can go out with a product that's pretty good that's pretty built and let other people fill in the gaps hmm. so it's almost like a communal world building yeah absolutely that sounds like a great idea for a future episode <laughs> it does <Ooh>. actually <laughs> Yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah, I like that. For, for for our dear listeners, we were referring a little bit to TTRPG there. And for those who don't know, tabletop role-playing games, use it. we were using a couple of uh, acronyms in there uh, because we love acronyms. GM, Game Master, DM, Dungeon Master, sometimes called a referee. So it's basically the guy who's making the story up on the spot as people are like playing in that world. So if anybody wants to get a little bit more of an idea of what D&D is like and what it's for and kind of how it works, I do a really good episode with John where we, we kind of discuss this in like a little bit more depth because he's kind of our our sort of D liaison though all of us are very kind of tabletop role-playing centric we like love it so like this informs a lot of our ideas about world building particularly world building with a community in mind so like yeah may touch on that one later that's a great idea mm -hmm. for an episode marcus so yeah any any other further ones for us Something real quick, uh, Seth, what you said is like, you know, a big mood for me, right? Like there's, there's something really joyful, honestly, about making something and then mm. throwing it at people and then people consuming it and getting invested in it. Uh, even mm -hmm. when there's criticisms, even when people don't like sure. aspects of it. Like when you do get at least one person who's like, hey, this is really cool. Like, it's just like. Life goal achieved. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> super cool. Um, I think the thing that, um, the thing that I've learned, uh, I I already mentioned the phrase, but like believing build, uh, boot. Excuse me, uh, believing buildable space. <laughs> <laughs> um, building believable spaces. That's kind of been the goal of mine. Whenever. I've started to world build new things now is not just, Hey, I'm going to world build this kind of like cool thing. Right. But building something that even if it's a little fantastic, even if it's a little odd, how does it work with everything else? How does this become something that's normal or something that's like, I don't understand it, but I believe that it exists in this mm -hmm. world. And that's something that's, surprisingly difficult to do sometimes but i think mm. that challenge is really a lot of fun in being able to tackle those sort of story elements tackle those world elements and really mm. get into the thick of it that's great no i love that that's a that's a really good thought on that i think um it's interesting that your your revelation from this has been essentially the opposite of uh of a lot of other ones we've had where we're kind of like just fire from the hip and and what you're saying is like a pretty fair point as well where it's kind of like if anything we're a podcast of balance right like a lot of what we're doing is kind of just saying look heavy on the firing from the hip but just be aware you're gonna hit somebody and you're gonna have to deal with it you know what i mean it's kind of like the thing it's like it's going to it's going to change things so being there light on your cases there are implications to what you do 
And it's, it's also interesting that things are often the, the limitations of things are more interesting usually than the, than the great extent of them. So like being able to, which is, I, I think kind of dovetails really nicely into what you're saying there, John. I love that. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah Cause in many ways it comes back to boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. What you can't do is often as interesting or informative for an individual as what you can do. Yeah. And um, jumping into the TTRPG world for a second, when you sit down at a table and tell all of the players, you can do this, often their brains just go, okay, and there's no extra thought there. But when you tell somebody, no, you can't get into the building that way. Immediately their minds start spinning and coming up with 101 <laughs> crazy ideas. Never tell the players they can't do something. That is a really right? good point. They're like, you're like, this building is off limits. They're like, but there's a herd of bulls over there. If we light their tails on fire, will they hit the wall hard enough to break it down? Mm-hmm. Because then I can go in the building, right? Lack of limitation is the enemy of art. Mm. Right? Like, and this is where the boundaries start to come in, right? Like it's a super interesting thought about like that. So that, that's something we, we could, we could probably do a whole episode just on that yeah. idea. But um, yeah, John, I cut you off, please. No. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, that's actually a, a one shot that I wrote and I actually keep specifically for when I'm running a group of new players is mm-hmm. they find this abandoned church in the middle of a swamp. And I'm like, you have to get inside. And they're like, okay, we tried the door. And I'm like, the door's locked, right? And then (laughs) I just like, and then I specifically don't write any other way to get into the church, right? Because any other way that they decide that they can get into this church is the right way to get into that church. So they're like, okay, um, is the roof open? Uh, Yeah, there's a place in the roof where it fell open. Uh, are the windows out? Uh, no, but you could probably break one. Like, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. can I yeah. break into a window? Yes. Are there windows open? Yes. Like, I'm literally a yes man with whatever yeah. they come up with. Can we blow up the church? Sure. Like, you know, like, it's... In a sense, it's an exercise in getting them to start thinking outside of the, the boundaries of our own world. Because if you walk up to a church, most law-abiding people are not immediately going to be like, can I break the window? Right? Do I climb up on the roof? Like, we don't operate in that space normally. I mean, you know, um, we don't normally (laughs) operate in that space. And so... And so it's really helpful. That's such a great idea for getting people to sort of expand their mind. Yeah. No, I like that. And, and, and a pro DMing tip is that you just tell your players no every time they want to do something and don't offer them any more information. And I get in the door, just say no. Is the roof open? Just say no. Like, it'll be great. You won't run into a wall or anything. Your players won't get bored and quit and they definitely won't shoot near and stab you to death. Uh, but- or you have on the other side of the coin where you over-prepare and you're like, oh, they're going to walk into the front door and oh boy, I got something for them. <laughs> and your players are already untrusting. It's like, okay, uh, you know, there, there's the church. Um, I'm actually going to go probably sneak into the back. Uh, there is no back door. Okay, well, the church doesn't have a back. The window, they're 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 barred up, but you know, there's those big front doors. 
It's like, I don't know. It's like, uh, storm's coming. You, you better hurry. <laughs> <laughs> the front door. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go find a cave. So what I think I've learned most about, you know, working with the podcast is realizing or giving more thought into when you guys, when you introduce a new element or uh, I think you guys call it an artifact, a world building artifact, Mm -hmm. and you present it into your world, thinking of the implications kind of like how one domino piece falls into the next once you introduce that um th- there's a previous episode james you very beautifully uh explain i think it was uh the expanse and how it was in the super science episode and how uh you know the the kind of society is split into like earthers and belters and they kind of you know need each other but now the Earthers um, basically make this uh, super science that where they don't need the Belters anymore. And it's kind of like, you know, seeing these dominoes kind of go into another. In the same episode, Seth, you mentioned like, okay, if I have the power of anti-gravity, that's not just it to propel my ships. There are so many more uses for it if you do not put boundaries there. Um, which then you, you mentioned in, and I think my, one of my, uh, it was this, do you guys remember the TV show revolution? It was kind of a show sort of post-apocalyptic. It's where all the power went out. Hmm. Uh, and everybody in the U S were basically thrown back to the colonial colonial era way yeah. of trying to live as it's a decent show. Uh, I, I kind of just watch it for all the main characters. No. I think they wrote the main character horribly, but anywho, when they go, when the party goes to like bigger towns, one of the world building elements that you find in there is that any kind of public gathering, uh, because there's no power, there's no radio, there's no jukeboxes, there's no Spotify. So they. So all of a sudden, all these cover bands and all these like minstrels that you would find at a coffee shop become so important to mm. alleviate people from their grim, uh, you know, existence without power. And till like they go to like a manor or a mansion where there's this crime boss and he just has this one like mariachi like band. band. <laughs> yeah, mariachi bands uh, playing ACDC all day. That's amazing, and that's his. That's his radio, and I'm like, yeah. There, there would be like this whole the important shift of like what we used to kind of you know disregards like ah they're just like this coffee shop thing trying to trying to get tips. Ah, yeah, oh, it's yeah. a cover band. They're like a very cheap version of the real thing. Why mm. would I go to that concert? And then all of a sudden they become so important, <laughs> and birds uh, acquire dominion over the earth. <laughs> So yeah, it's just like, yeah, once you add or remove something, kind of really seeing, finding kind of the uh, the domino effect of what, I love that. If there is there an important shift? Is there uh, a power shift? Is there uh, different implications that can be used to that artifact? And it really got me, you know, thinking about my own stuff and just kind of like more along for a GM thing, it was mostly translated to, okay, I'm going to introduce this, wait, 
how can my party um, exploit this? How I don't want them to. <laughs> Let me point. make sure I got those bases covered. <laughs> That's perfect. I, lo- I love that. Now, look, I promised the people three questions, and we've yes. done two so far. We start with what is world building. We kind of went into some of the backdrop of that, you know, um, about creating boundaries and about fairy cake and some of the different ideas, the way we've kind of become a little bit more shoot from the hippie about world building, but also mitigated that a little bit with kind of like, hey, you also kind of need to fill in some of the detail in there, but you can leave lots of room for your community. Then jumping from there, we're kind of talking about what we've kind of moved what we've kind of taken in the most from world building. And a lot of it's really just been concepts we explored in episodes, not really like a huge amount of detail. Usually it's just kind of like, oh, this idea, like building a believable space had this impact on us as we were going through. So here's my last question. We've done all of this stuff. We were a year in. What are we going to do next, guys? What's the next thing? I think one big thing that we have coming up in November. Oh. We have uh, something fun plans, as uh, yeah. some people may. <laughs> I just see the excitement building on everyone yeah, else's yeah. faces. Um, so in November, hopefully, Cyberpunk 2077 comes out. Mm. And oh, yeah. not only are we expecting it to be a fun, great game made by CD Projekt Red, um, but even if you're not involved with video games at all, CD Projekt Red has a huge like platform or I should say portfolio of making excellent stories in yeah. their video games. They've made The Witcher 3, which is arguably one of the best video games made in the century. Uh, don't at me. And uh, though many of you probably won't because it's I'm right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what, what's there to add about? Right. Because like, yeah. you're, you're correct. Right. Um, so what we're expecting is that CD Projekt Red is going to have an immense amount of world building surrounding, mm-hmm. yeah. um, surrounding the game and that world. So we're planning a little bit of a cyberpunk month. It's going to be a busy month for us, but we're going to have cyberpunk episodes where we talk about cyberpunk uh, a little bit again, since we did address it a little bit, but we're going to talk about it a little bit more in yeah. this context. Um, I'm going to be streaming the game when it comes out. So if you're just interested and you want to hear me ramble about world building while playing, like, you know, tune into that stream. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a mini review, but also like world building analysis. after it comes out the following week. And for those of you who are like, I don't really like cyberpunk, we're going to also have episodes that are not cyberpunk related that month as well. Yeah, we're kind of hitting you with both barrels that month. Yeah. So the the cyberpunk, I forget which one is which. We're still working out the details, but we'll have like cyberpunk week and then we'll have a normal week, cyberpunk week, normal week, and then we'll have the other stuff around it. So busy month, but... Look forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're excited to bring that to you guys. Yeah, I'm excited for that content. That's going to be super fun. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'll say this as well, is that this conversation isn't only for the four, four of us, because we actually have a Patreon account. And 
if there ever was a time where you wanted to make it official, join the club, come on in and talk to us and let your voice be heard on your own preferences and not just base it off of a chance encounter of meeting me when I'm out like getting coffee or something, because that seems highly unlikely, um, then... <laughs> you may want to join the club, right? So we'll have a number of different tiers available. We're kind of uh, messing around with some of the structure of it. And uh, I think you guys are going to love what we make there because not only do you get a ton of extra content, but you also get to talk to us and ask us questions right. and get us to dive into stuff. So um, by all means, check out our Patreon page. I will put a link in the show notes on here for you to take a look at that and uh, and see what strikes your fancy. We're going to be honestly putting tears out as low as $2 a month to get a ton of extra content that we're going to make. And, and when uh, we say a ton, we actually mean a ton yeah. of extra content. So yeah, we've got long cuts of episodes. Uh, we got episodes where we're just discussing stuff, um, yeah. you know, just like back and forth things that like, we're not really able to, you know, put into like a full episode, but things that are really interesting uh, that to us and things that we're mm -hmm. really passionate about. Um, and things that like, you know, you can talk about with us too. So it's definitely worth checking out. Um, and of course, all the money that goes from Patreon basically goes, you know, right back into making the podcast yeah, better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And increasing the number of episodes you get. Yeah. The, the goal of building this community is to have a great discussion about world building. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. That's what we're here for. Uh, we want to have a great conversation and we want you to be part of that conversation. Yeah. So that's, that's perfect guys. Thank you so much. Uh, look, and one last thing is we just want to thank you guys for listening. Like we love making this. It's been a really, really fun year. It went a load of different directions that I don't think any of us were really expecting. And that's been the best part. You know, we have been kind of discovering this podcast more than we've been um, making it in some ways, just finding mm -hmm. out where it's going to go next. So you guys are a huge part of that. So I just want to say thank you for hearing us out. Thank you for spending time with us. Um, it's really special that you give us that time. So with that, I'm James. I'm Seth. I'm Marcus. I'm John. And, and I'm Marcus. This episode of the Worldcraft Club. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, don't okay. worry. I'll edit that. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for joining Seth and I on the Worldcraft Club podcast. Please go ahead and like us, subscribe to us on your preferred app. And if you use iTunes, rate us five stars if you think we're worth the rating. It really helps our numbers. If you're listening here, you're missing out on half the content along with loads of other goodies. So please consider becoming an exclusive club member at our Patreon page, starting at as low as $5 a month. If you have any questions, you can go ahead and jump on our webpage, worldcraftclub.com, to get the latest updates on our blog. We're also available on Twitter and Instagram. This has been the Worldcraft Club podcast. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I'm already super pale. That makes me a little bit more pale. That's amazing. Already. I don't yeah. I don't need to be a, a beacon of starlight, right? It's yeah. <laughs> you don't want a bunch of Rohirrim riding across the mountain. Right. Why? Oh god. <laughs> the no, beacons you know are what? lit. The beacons are lit. <laughs> this is this is where you're wrong, James. I do want a bunch of Rohirrim riding across a mountain.